What does your spouse need from you? You need to know. It's not sex. <laughs> really? Uh, really. Really. That is just one thing, though. Just one thing? Just one thing. Well, let's go. Let's find out. <laughs> started as a question. God, you created marriage. Can you make it work? Soon became a statement. God, you created marriage. You can make it work. Thank you for joining us on the Christian Family Life Podcast, where we get into the good, the bad, and the ugly in our marriage relationships and mind God's word to see what it has to say about it. Welcome to the Christian Family Life Podcast, where today we will be talking about one thing and focusing on one thing only, and it's not a list. I don't know about you guys, but I love lists. Um, <laughs> but, but, but stay with us as we focus on this one thing. This is Susie here. And Gio. Along with Roland. And Tammy. And today we're going to focus on that one thing that your spouse needs from you. Like I said, list. I mean, I, I personally identify with list. I just look up a few. What a wife needs from her husband, five vital things, the spouse checklist, 10 things your spouse needs to hear you say, <laughs> uh, you know, the lists go on and on and it's two and it's five and it's 10. And um, sometimes yeah. it can be overwhelming. It can literally be overwhelming. But today we're going to focus on on just one thing. And many of you are probably wondering by now, what is the one thing? <laughs> mm. Well, you know, it's interesting because if you took those lists and you compiled everything everybody says in those blogs and podcasts, it would probably be like 10,000 <laughs> things that you have to do. That's and right. it's like, That's oh my right. gosh, there's no way I can do that. And so, you know, we, we just, uh, we want to challenge not only those listening, but ourselves to move what we call at the core of the two becoming one discipleship is moving from performance to faith and not sitting on that performance of that 10,000 uh, point list of mm -hmm. what what you need. And if your spouse doesn't give you what you need, then you're going to be upset and um, it's not going to be a healthy marriage and all that. But really focusing on this one thing, I think we've been hanging on to this yeah. for a little bit here. <laughs> well, let's not go there yet, because I would say some are out there listening and thinking, well, they're I, I kind of like the list and mm -hmm. there are things that I need to hear. And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I need tracks to run on. And so it helps to know mm -hmm. what four keys to communication are going to help us understand each other better. So there is this tension where mm -hmm. when we talk about having a faith-based marriage, it's not all about mm -hmm. being walked all over by the other person and they just get to get away with with everything. And so there, mm -hmm. there tends to be a tension sometimes, but, but it's really one thing that drives the transition from performance to faith. Mm -hmm. That's right. And no need to, you know, print up the uh, blog that you read and hand it to your spouse <laughs> so that they know the, they know the list. Um, Ooh, that's a good idea for this one. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could highlight in bullet point. I don't know. Just yeah. Theoretically oh. speaking. <laughs> In case you were wondering, <laughs> I find those once a week on my end table, on my, right by my bed. I was just wondering where these things come from. Now I know. I know. Highlighted. But really, the, the one thing we are going to talk about ultimately is the greatest gift you can mm -hmm. give your spouse. Um, because it's, it's, uh, it's much 
bigger than those lists, as you said, Roland. It's mm-hmm. and and if we fall under this one thing, it really will begin to encompass the things that your spouse truly needs, um, because you're focused on your relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we want to jump off of the springboard. I have a question. Like I feel like we're going to talk about it today, and and I think after 28 years of marriage and especially diving into the resource that we offer, we have a a fairly good grasp on what it is that your spouse needs from you. But if you had to jump back 28, (laughs) 27, 26 years, and someone were to ask you that question way back then, how do you think Mm. you would have answered that? Man, that's a good question, because I think um, a lot of what you think you need comes from what you, how you grow up Mm -hmm. and, and maybe even what's provided for you as a, as a child, you know, but I need a, I need a Susie like to do my laundry. <laughs> you know, I remember the first time I did laundry by myself. I was in college, and um, I think a, rolling with it. That was the first time. That was the first time. They never had let you have a, a practice um, shot at it <laughs> no, before going. No, as away. a matter of fact, it was. Are you kidding? Growing me? up, I did. I just thought that you know the clothes was just always in my drawer. The laundry fairy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but I remember going. I think we were together, Roland. And um, we ran out of the, we were probably like on underwear number 43. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, is that TMI? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because it's, it's uh, one of the things that we stocked up on before we went to college because we we're like, man, who That's knows when we're going to do laundry. So long, as, so long as we have clean undergarments. <laughs> there you go. Undergarments a little better. Sorry, better. sorry, better. folks. But I remember stuffing that. I went, we went and I didn't know that you did whites and you did colors and you did darks and that I just knew that it took four quarters for this machine to run <laughs> and I didn't want to spend more than four quarters so I stuffed all Stop of it. it like a month worth of laundry into this one machine it fit, right it fit it fit <laughs> as long as you can close Once that lid, lid closed, I closed yeah. the lid and I put the four quarters in and I pushed that thing and like three minutes into the wash it broke the machine broke. And you I was were the like, one. You were the one that broke that. <laughs> and the lady was ticked off at me there. And I said, man, my mom never gets mad at me like that for laundry because I never do laundry. So anyways, I needed Susie to do my laundry. I think if, if I had to answer, it would probably be, um, <laughs> this is going to sound really strange, but um, even like within the marriage unit, probably uh, freedom. Mm. I'm like independent. I, <laughs> like I still needed to know, like I needed to know that I still, you know, could make my own decision. Like, I don't know. That's what I felt mm-hmm. like I needed. Yeah. I'm, I know that when I was traveling a lot, she would say, when's your next trip? <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, that is true. I think that, you know, that's a good statement. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different story now, you know, mm-hmm. as you been married 28 years well, well. yeah <laughs> no no what i mean like we just I talked never, about yesterday. yeah no no we know no, what you mean just, yeah no we just talked yesterday about adding another day to the end of their trips <laughs> yes, right. yeah, yeah i think you should do that no no i mean that like i didn't want roland to go and play basketball for two hours when we were first married i was like what is wrong with me now i'm like yeah you can go when are you gonna be back you know <laughs> Did they say they want us to add another day to yeah. our trip? Yeah. I, that's what I heard. <laughs> anyway. For me, I think I, you know, I gosh, Susie, you kind of threw me off. I was going to say I need to roll and do the dishes, but, you no, know, that's, the freedom. That's... <laughs> <laughs> the freedom and the, gosh, just my, just being married and really 
fast forwarding a little bit, not long, but being a mom, just Mm. kind of feeling like you kind of lose yourself a little bit. Like you just did not like, I remember it's funny because my brothers were still single uh, when I was married and we had our first two kids and I was so, (laughs) I was completely, you know, 24 seven, you know, serving them and, and him and (laughs) anyway, but my brothers would remember things that that I did and I said, and I almost, I forgot some of the memories and it's almost like you really just forget your former self. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was, it was, it was that. It's just wanting to kind of, um, I don't know. Not lose. Mm -hmm. Not lose that, that, that sense Mm -hmm. of individuality, I guess. And then what about you, only child, Roland Martinez, <laughs> raised by grandparents? Man. <laughs> Your list was long, man. You know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yes, it was. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here. Well, he never gave me a list. You know, it was like, oh, he just expected we you to lived. know. Yes. Just like, you know, you know, I, I my think, grandmother had I think had there everything was. sitting on a table, um, at the table and different plates. You know, you got the meat on one plate. You got the rice and the beans. <laughs> So, you know, you I squished it all on one plate and the food was touching and that oh, was no. unacceptable. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I will say, I think I would summarize really my actions. I don't think I would have said it this way, but <laughs> what what I really looked at Tammy for was to right all the wrongs. Mm. And there was a lot of pressure there because of... In the midst of so much that I'm thankful for, so, I mean, so many sacrifices made. You know, you guys mentioned that I'm raised by my grandparents, but, but at the same time, such, such brokenness and such dysfunction, and I thought, I don't, I don't really want that. And I looked, I, I was really looking to Tammy to right all those wrongs, mm. and, there, and there was a pressure there mm. uh, that created what we call a performance-based marriage. And if Tammy didn't measure up, I felt like, oh, here we go again. Uh, all of these wrongs are going to be in my face and, and I'm going to have to navigate uh, a lot of these things, a lot of the hurt that I navigated in childhood. And so you fight against that. But as you fight against it, you realize that the, your, your fight is the wrong kind of fight. Mm-hmm. And so your fight is actually creating the very issues that you don't want to have. Mm-hmm. And so that was uh, what I, that's, that's kind of what I picture, mm-hmm. what my actions were like. Here we are, uh, we're in ministry, we love the Lord, we love each other. Um, we, we enjoy each other. We commit to the rest of our lives together. And then, and then in marriage, there's, there's just this struggle. Mm. Uh, and it seemed like part of it was somewhat mysterious. We, I think it it would have been helpful to be able to have articulated that back then to realize that, that, that the one thing we really need, uh, would have been so transformational. Man, you're so right. And and I don't know how many times we said it last night, Susie and I were doing a, a premarital counseling last night and we sat there and this couple was young. They were they were about the age they we were. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> they giggled at everything we yeah. said. <laughs> it was adorable. I but it. but I, I think of that, what you just said, Roland, if if we would have had a little bit more direction and known what the conversation should have been and um and what we truly needed from mm-hmm. each other, that that, that would have that would have been transformational mm-hmm. for us because we're the same way. We love the Lord. We loved each other. We weren't going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in ministry as well, but yet there was a tension mm-hmm. that was there because 
What's that? Frustration. Frustration mm-hmm, would absolutely. be, yeah, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because we thought we needed some of these other things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to break down these walls and to at least have the, the conversation to be able to work through that, um, we didn't have that tool in our, mm-hmm. in our toolbox back then. And so we're very grateful for, for what we do have now and has the Lord has revealed some things. And, um, and so that one thing, we'll just throw it out there now finally, mm-hmm. is our personal relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yep. Our personal relationship with the Lord will be the greatest impact in our marriage mm-hmm. uh, because you're, you're focused on the things that God has for you and for him to fulfill those in you. And then it becomes an overflow right. into your spouse's life. And so, you know, we didn't mention this yet, but this is our 52nd podcast. This is our yeah, one year. One year. Right Woo. now. And, and those Woo. of you that have been listening. Streamers, from, confetti. <laughs> yes. And those of you that have been listening along the way have heard a lot of our stories and, and things like that. But I don't know that we have actually shared, and we'll, do, we'll be brief. Mm-hmm. Um, we've shared our coming to Jesus story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it'll be good for us to do that simply just to, to, for people to know where we came from in that and then how that's impacting our marriages. And so, Susie, you want to start? Sure. We'll go quick and, and just to do a, a couple minutes each. Sure. I was born into a pastor's family. My dad got saved when he was a teenager, so he didn't, there's not a long lineage, but there was from my mom's side. But uh, he was preaching a revival in Kentucky, Florence, Kentucky, at Florence Baptist Temple. I was four years old. Vividly remember being on the front row with my mom, listening to my dad, and my dad was a strong preacher. And um, I remember saying to her afterwards, like, I need that. I need that. I want to get saved. And I can honestly say that all throughout my elementary, middle, and high school years, even though I didn't consistently make good choices, Mm -hmm. when I made bad choices, I always felt conviction. Like I was Mm -hmm. under heavy conviction. It was never that I could just freely go out and do what I wanted. Mm -mm. Like I, I knew what the right choice was every single time. Again, I didn't always make the right choice, but I knew what it was. And so, um, it was probably when I went to college where we were going to chapel every day. And then, um, as we start began to prepare for marriage, really just the whole maturity thing just kind of necessitated. I would say marriage drove me more to scripture mm-hmm. than anything else. I agree. Because I wanted to learn how to be so that that was my that was my salvation experience. I was mm-hmm. four years old. I knew it. Um, and, and the Holy Spirit has never ceased to work in my life, to draw me and to mm-hmm. convict me. Um, always though to redemption and restoration. And mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for that. Always. That's, That's awesome. Yes. And Tammy, I know that you're, you're also a child. Yeah. I, I, I've heard your story. Yeah. I was nine years old. I was, um, home and my brother had our, so our church that we were, um, a part of in Miami would have this summer camp every summer and it was for a week. And I think this was like the, I, I think it was the first, at least this was when we had started coming to this church. I think it was the first camp that they ever did. And I was not old enough to go. I think, I guess you had to be 10. Anyway, um, my brother came back and one of the first things he said is I got saved, you know, um, I'm going to go to heaven and like all the things. And I was like, I was already mad that I couldn't go to the camp. Right. And I was so ready to go to this camp. And, you know, of course, you know, my brother didn't. 
<laughs> he didn't taunt me or anything, but I was like, why can't I go? And I wanted them to make an exception for me to go. But I, I, I stayed home while Ricky was gone. And I remember that sparking something in me. And, um, and so my dad, I said, well, I want, I want to be saved too. And my dad sat down with me and he led me to the Lord. He used scripture and he, he very, very simple, but he led me to the Lord. And, um, and again, I would say, Susie, I, I, I feel in a probably, I don't know if things just get more clear when you get older, looking back, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it really is 2020 looking back, but as you get older, you realize, oh my goodness, all of these, all of those years where I thought I was dormant, spiritually speaking, the Lord was, was working. And I was very much aware of, like Susie, very much aware of, of his conviction. I remember, um, even talking to my cousins and, and feeling such conviction over different things. And they, they weren't, you know, at that place they hadn't, they had not received the Lord, but I was talking to somebody that did not understand and I, they couldn't understand why I felt so guilty about certain things, but, um, we really, you know, we do, the Holy spirit is faithful, Mm -hmm. you know, and the Lord is faithful in our lives. And I think looking back and thank the Lord that he guided me through my life. And, and I would say that I, I had very little Bible knowledge, but I had a, I had a Holy Spirit knowledge. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to explain in the, in the circles that I was mm-hmm. in, but I did get saved several times. <laughs> That's part of my story. But, um, every time there was an altar call, not every time, but um, several times I rededicated my life. Now looking back, that's what I'd call it. But I rededicated my life to the Lord and had to kind of, I think as we all do, we have many coming to Jesus moments. But yes, um, God mm. has been so faithful. That is mm. definitely my story. I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> no, no doubt. You know, I, I, um, I remember I was seven years old. My mom, we were the first family to walk into the church that we ended up growing up in. And um, I'll never forget, um, my mom told me the story because I was only three years old. And um, she said that she wasn't going to come back. And the, mm-hmm. on the way out, the person that was in front of the, her said something that wasn't very kind to the pastor, the only other person in the uh, service that day. And so she felt bad. My mom was not a believer. None of my family was at that time. And, and she felt bad. So she told the pastor, Hey, we'll come back. (laughs) And so, um, they came back and it was several years. My mom came to Christ and she was the first one of all of my extended family to get saved. And then my grandparents got saved. My aunt got saved. My uncle, my dad was much later in life, but I remember being seven years old and just the faithfulness of my mom taking us to church and us being under the the gospel for all those years and <clears throat> going to school and Ro and I went to the same school and um, just hearing all that I remember being in the cafeteria of Westwood during mm-hmm. a Sunday service that's where the Spanish church used to meet with Rigo Garcia and I made I, I made a profession of faith that day was baptized by by Rigo I think watching my mom get baptized when I was that, about that age was mm-hmm. what was the mm-hmm. most impactful for me yeah that's awesome. um, but then I remember. Um, my senior year of college, September of, um, I guess it was 93, um, hearing a message, are you experiencing the joy of your salvation? Mm-hmm. And 
quite honestly, if I would have looked back on all those years prior, I also experienced the same convictions and the sin and, you know, when you did wrong mm -hmm. and, um, but I was, I was, it was all about me. And so that day when the, the guy spoke on the experiencing the joy of your salvation, I was like, what does that mean? And it was heavy conviction. The Holy Spirit moved and it was, mm -hmm. I guess I would call it a read a dedication time as well, Tammy, mm -hmm. where I just, I owned it. Mm -hmm. Like I owned my faith that day and it was different. It was so different. And really from that point on, it's been this trajectory of mm -hmm. growing closer to the Lord. And, um, and I want to thank, you know, I don't know if he, he'll ever listen to this, but Brian Johnson was a big part of mm -hmm. helping me in that process early on. He was one of the uh, guys at our college that was a huge mentor. Um, awesome. but, but really his focus was you experienced the joy of your salvation by serving others mm -hmm. and caring for others. And so that was my first big time lesson wow. in this journey that God had us. And man, what perfect timing because a year later is when Susie and I got married and I'm grateful for that moment that God gave me because I don't know that I would have been, I wasn't ready to get married really, but it would have been even worse <laughs> if the Lord wasn't working on my heart mm -hmm. um, at that point and how he's used it ever since. Mm -hmm. Man, it's so good. Uh, always good to hear salvation stories mm -hmm. of how the Holy Spirit quickens us to, first of all, our need for a savior because human nature uh, is not quick to express our need. Uh, and yet when we're confronted by our sin, uh, we're, we, re we recognize the desperate need we have uh, for Jesus and, and our desire to spend eternity with him. For me, I was in first grade and thankful for grandparents who took on the responsibility of uh, having a baby handed to them hmm. and the sacrifices that they made for me to be exposed to the gospel at an early age. And then, and of course, their testimony of faithful service to the Lord. Uh, I remember early on, uh, it, it felt like we were in church all the time. Uh, my grandfather served as a deacon and an elder, and my grandmother was in the choir, and she was a soloist. And so there was always a reason to be at church. And there was a church that uh, was very influential in my grandmother's life in Cuba that was later planted in Miami. And so we were part of that. And then there was a friend of the family that was uh, that had planted a church in another part of Miami over in the Westchester area, actually across from the baseball fields where uh, Flag Ami oh, was. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> so it was just, it was all the time. But when God revealed himself to me in a way that I, I cannot imagine not having given my life to him was in first grade. And it was during Bible time and the teacher was teaching a flannel graph lesson. And for those of you that don't know what a flannel graph board is, it's just, you know, imagine, imagine a YouTube video in real life. It's a board with felt on it and then different uh, figures. figures across, you know, stone for the, uh, for the tomb all stick onto that flannel graph board. Yeah, no tape needed. <laughs> no tape needed. And you sat on the front row just waiting for one of them to fall off of the board. So you could be the one to get it and hand it to the teacher. Uh, yeah, if, if you, if you, you know what, if you know, you know. You know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> but I remember the teacher, Miss Georgiani, uh, it was a lesson on the crucifix. 
on the crucifixion of Jesus. She had the two thieves up there, and then she turns and she puts Jesus on the cross. And she turns, and there are tears in her eyes. Like, she was overwhelmed mm. uh, by her own salvation experience, <clears throat> the love and the forgiveness that she felt from God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And she's sharing this with us. And I remember it was in that moment, I, I didn't raise my hand. I didn't walk an aisle. I didn't go talk to Miss Georgiani after the Bible lesson that day. But it was that day, in the words that she used, and the way that I heard them was that I needed to respond, that I needed to give my life to Jesus. Uh, and so as a first grader sitting in that flannel graph lesson, <laughs> it, as the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is declared and how that love was for us, that sacrifice was for us, and that he took upon himself the punishment that we deserved, I, I gave my life mm. to Christ. And you you grow in your faith, you read the Bible, and you learn more about it, uh, and yet mm -hmm. th there's no question um, that that day, and you know what? I asked Jesus into my heart. So theologians, you can wrestle with that all you want, <laughs> but that's what I did. That's what I did and too. I know <laughs> that's, what that my, I did. that's right. And I, I know that my salvation is genuine. Uh, so we'd say this as we transition to why that began, what is the greatest uh, need we can meet for our spouse is because we've made the most important decision that we can ever make, and that's what are we going to do with Jesus? His existence can't be denied. He split time. And because his existence can't be denied, there are people that want to reason away that he isn't who he says he is. And one of the ways that that's done is to say, well, we're going to acknowledge that Jesus existed, but he was just a great teacher. And then we have to say, well, if he was a great teacher, then we have to believe what he said. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No man comes to the Father except through me. We read that there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. And so if these are if this is what Jesus said, and these are the things that were said of him and taught, then how can a great teacher not be one that's reliable? Mm -hmm. And so we have to acknowledge that Jesus was God incarnate who came to fulfill the mission uh, declared before the foundation of the world. And he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. I think it's summarized this way. If you've ever been taught to share your faith, you may have been taught Romans Road. And I'll just simplify that this way. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, meaning there's not one of us that of our own merit could ever earn our salvation to be able to go to heaven to be with the Lord. But it says in 623, it says the wages of sin is death. So the payment for our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so if we will acknowledge that gift, Bible says we do it this way in Romans chapter 10. If we'll believe in our heart and confess mm -hmm. with our mouth the Lord Jesus that God raised him from the dead, we're saved. Because with 
the heart man believes on the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made on the salvation. Uh, I really hope that there's someone out there listening that has yet to, to give their life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And you've been wrestling with, uh, your, your marriage is, is at a bad place. You don't want to see your marriage end mm-hmm. and you're looking for ways to experience <laughs> unconditional love and forgiveness in your own life. Mm-hmm. And we would just encourage you right now, mm-hmm. give your life to Jesus, mm-hmm. believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth. I want to read this scripture and then we'll kind of begin to build this out a little bit more. (laughs) We read Mm -hmm. in Mark chapter 12, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? This was asked of Jesus. Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you'll love your neighbors yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> any more questions. Jesus was not disregarding the law, just like in our opening. We're not disregarding keys to things that we need in our marriage. Mm -hmm. But if Jesus was able to summarize all of the laws spiritually to say, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we could summarize everything that you need in your marriage to one thing, and that is to experience God's love in our life and love him that Mm -hmm. way. I I would say there's your list. Yeah. For all you list people, <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I don't think yeah. I did the right order, but yeah, that's good. And, and then, <clears throat> and maybe we can talk about this now. But that second piece, love your neighbor as yourself. I think sometimes we skip out of our home and we go to our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when I know that we say this often, Roland, you've initiated it. Just how your spouse should be the first recipient of mm. that. Yeah. Well, you know, if we go to John 17 and we, we look at, at Jesus's first prayer request, right? Or his mm-hmm. prayer request, I don't know if it's his first, but a prayer request mm-hmm. was that they may be one as we are one. And um, the unity that comes from that, but that unity comes from the bond that we have <clears throat> yeah. in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's the spirit that dwells within us. Right. And Susie and I often talk about God's not a God of confusion. And so if the Holy Spirit is moving me as a husband to do something with our family, I can expect that he's working on Susie's heart as well Mm -hmm. and bringing us together. But if we are both living in sin, if we are both living in this selfishness and we're living in this Mm -hmm. world of it's all about me, the Holy Spirit is still not confusing. We're just not hearing it and we're not applying it into our lives. And so at that point, we're not bringing the best gift to the table for our spouse. Mm-hmm. We're not willing to submit to each other. We're not willing to do the things that we talk about when it comes to a marriage. And so the the thing that your spouse needs, and we are grateful here at this table that God has worked in and through us, and he continues to work in and through us. Mm-hmm. So we're not by any means sitting here behind a mic 
as the experts on this whole mm-hmm. spiritual journey. But what we can say is by God's grace, yeah. he has used us and taught us and molded us and we still have a ways to go and we continue. I'm, I'm actually getting more excited about learning more and growing more because of what I've learned and grown through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But in order for, for us to thrive in our relationship, um, what our spouse needs from us is our own thriving relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to spill over into our relationships, uh, into our marriage. So the disciplines, the disciplines of reading the word of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get past the power that comes from God's word and mm-hmm. how it's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It moves, it works, it's mm-hmm. powerful. And so if we're not disciplining ourselves to get in the word, then we're not hearing from God in that way. And we're not able to to give that to our spouse prayer and you mean the list goes on with what that discipline can look like and looked up yesterday some verses about that like how spending time with jesus is able to transform us and i thought of the story with moses and in exodus chapter 34 it says in verse 29 when moses came down from mount sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain Mm -hmm. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Mm. You know, now I'm not going to recommend that as a skincare regimen (laughs) only, (laughs) but how would our literal demeanor and Mm. posture be changed specifically in this realm here towards our spouse if we spent time with God on Mm. a regular basis? Mm. I just yeah. think what I think we'd be more pleasant to be around. It changes. I really do. <laughs> yeah. It's like that Mio drink, that thing that you put. Have you seen the commercial when mm-hmm. you put the thing in the water and yeah. it says it changes everything. It changes. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's like that <laughs> shot of Mio into your soul that just starts to change you from the inside out. Yeah. And you said skincare regimen, and I went right to spa day with Jesus. I love it. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, in that vein, Sue's of Moses, I think of in the New Testament where the uh, Peter um, was in front of the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, and they basically told him, you need to stop talking about Jesus. And he lays out the plan of salvation, basically, who mm-hmm. Jesus is and all that. And it says in verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so there is something about being in the word and being mm-hmm. in prayer and just really being saturated by the, by the Holy Spirit that is recognizable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't want to be that person where I heard one time a speaker speaking and they were speaking about their father who was a pastor. Mm-hmm. And they said that when his dad, their dad died, they were, they were young, um, him and his brother, and they were sitting in the, at the funeral service and one by one, people were coming up and saying, man, this person was so great. I'm grateful for them in my life. They were a huge impact. And that list went on and on. Mm-hmm. And the boys, the sons of this man were sitting in the front row and they looked at each other and they said, who are they talking about? Because he didn't express that in their own wow. home. And so I don't want that to be me. I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit is moving in and through me first and foremost to mm-hmm. impact Susie. That's right. my children, and then those that God has given us the opportunity to minister and to serve. 
And so that comes with that discipline of really spending time with the Lord. It does. If you're also, if you're listening and um, maybe you're not sure of a time. And I know that we, um, we talked about our own salvation and there was a point in time that we Mm. made a decision to follow Jesus. And I remember hearing somebody say, Oh, I, I, you know, I got saved somewhere along the way. I've been in church my entire life and maybe that is you. And if, um, you know, we don't get salvation by osmosis and being around Christians, you know, we, we make a personal decision and, um, you know, we know that, I mean, for all of us here, you know, we are within that four to 14 window for four years old to 14 years. And, um, and that there's something about that childhood and the, the, the faith of a child. And, but maybe you're in your, you're listening as an adult and most likely that's the case. And, um, you, you are not sure if you did and there's no, you know, there's no, today is the day. And, uh-huh. and just, you know, if you're wondering why you're struggling, why, why, um, you don't have this joy, you don't have peace. Um, uh, just, just come to the Lord and, um, and it's simple. Yeah, I love the verse there where it says in Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, there's that heart, right, Ron? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that God raised him from the dead, mm-hmm. you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And so, man, that's the ultimate decision, I think, that and the greatest gift for you personally, right, mm-hmm. is your relationship with the Lord and that salvation experience that you can experience today, but then the power that that has in everything else that oh you do, goodness. starting with your own relationship with your spouse. Mm-hmm. You'll never be the same again. <laughs> no. So what's what does your spouse need from you? One thing. One thing. They need you to take time today and really sit Mm. in the presence of Jesus and consider your relationship with him, not only for the person that has not accepted Jesus as Savior, but I I would dare say even more so for the believers that we're speaking to. And if you are a child of God, there should be no greater expression of God's work in your life than the kind of unity that you're experiencing in all relationships, beginning with your marriage, because God loves you extravagantly. God's forgiveness is merciful and gracious. And if God can show that to you, he gives you the capacity to show that to others. So that one thing is a thriving relationship with Jesus. And it becomes very evident in the way that we interact with one another. Well, we want to thank you. Our time is up. And man, I went fast. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. we celebrated one year with this episode. And so we thank you guys for sticking with us. Share it with a friend. Pass it on. We're going to continue to, uh, to do this because we feel God's called us to it and given us information from his scripture and through the two becoming one material. So stick with us for the next year mm-hmm. as we continue <laughs> the CFL podcast. Cause there's more we need to know. <laughs> oh boy. 
(laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Christian Family Life Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. To learn more about the ministry, visit our website at christianfamilylife.com. There you can subscribe to our newsletter and find all the social media links where we offer resources to help strengthen your marriage. Until next time, remember, God created marriage. He can make it work.